Hello, Sciencom. You are listening to Converts in Conversation. Today is the 10th of January 2021. Wild. Today we are talking about um, our histories and shame, or the shame that some people might feel about their lives pre conversion. Today with me, I have Khadija and Alice. Say salam. Salam alaikum. Salam alaikum, guys. So I'll start it off a little bit in that I was having a bit of a think about it this morning and thinking that for me, I didn't really think about the concept of shame or feeling bad about my previous pre-conversion life until I started spending time with different people. And it was really how they projected, um, how they thought I should feel about my pre-Islamic life that made me all of a sudden start thinking, oh, maybe I should be a bit shy to talk about the fact that I used to drink, the fact that I've been nightclubbing, the fact that I've had boyfriends, you know, the fact that I used to wear a low-cut top or all of these things. It hadn't really crossed my mind to feel any kind of way about being ashamed about that. Um, And at the time, I still had my old Facebook um and on my Facebook there were pictures of me like out in a pub or out in mixed groups um and doing different things and it was sort of slowly once people started saying oh that's not really you know stuff for Allah and shouldn't really have all that that I started sort of erasing visual um memories of my previous life um and then I sort of wiped it out and didn't talk about it ever at all in any kind of Muslim circles and obviously over time that's completely changed now and I gob off about it all the time but certainly there was a whole probably two years where it was as if that person didn't exist at all what about you guys you know what Zara I was just thinking at the first part you said was about not really acknowledging that you had any shame about your previous life um until it was sort of projected on you about how you should feel the shame and i was just thinking like back to the sort of the beginning stages of my conversion and the part i started to feel the shame was um sort of hearing talks about um what an ideal muslim is and i feel like a lot of those talks are very um they, they, they are very they're good but I feel like for those of us who have converted and are not you know we didn't grow up in a Muslim household you know we have obviously done a load of things that we now don't do and some of us still do because we're struggling I feel like those talks are are not helpful for us because they make us feel like oh well I can't I can't ever attain this ideal Muslim status because she's supposed to you know stayed in a house and never spoken to a guy before and I just feel like that's where my shame came from. It was kind of like, oh my gosh, I am complete opposite of this girl. (laughs) So I don't know whether it's, um, I don't know whether if I hadn't have heard those talks, whether I would have felt the same level of shame. Like, like you, Zara, now I can just be like, yeah, I used to do that. That's that's who I was before I I was a Muslim and I didn't know any different, so it's okay. Whereas, maybe a couple of years ago I'd have just been like like you said I was been like no 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 you you never saw me in a club 
You never saw me with alcohol in my hand. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> what about you, Alice? I have a lot to say on this topic. <laughs> okay. I have a lot to say. Drink Very similar. Go for it. <laughs> Very similar to both of you. Um, I think in, in the early days for me, um, being very naive, being very much a, a, an internet convert um, and then starting to sort of attend talks and groups in London, um, coming across a very sort of black and white sort of interpretation of Islam, which eventually I did move away from. But in the beginning days, like, you know, you just take whatever you hear as as the huck, like that that's just how it is, you know, very black and white. This is halal, this is haram. Sort of people I was hanging around with sort of... <laughs> projected that shame onto me um and it's taken you know a, a few years for me to get to a point i mean for for a number of years now i've just been like yeah i wasn't muslim for 26 years which it is what it is you know what i mean like i lived i lived a life and it, it's so key that i sometimes have to point out to people going you know it wasn't haram for me because i wasn't muslim but that was my that was life that was i was i was a white british girl brought brought up in the uk that that's like it's not Haram because I wasn't Muslim, and it's getting out of that headspace of, you know, you should be ashamed of who you are. And sometimes I feel like as well when you watch like um, revert stories, it seems like for male reverts, they can talk very freely. Like you know, before I came to Islam, you know, I was out clubbing girls, bloody blah, blah blah, and then and then then I came to Islam, and all the comments are from like brothers going, "Oh, mashallah, isn't it amazing." But, but women's stories, sometimes they often like kind of skirt around that, like because there is this idea of shame and this, you know, the, this perception of kind of non-Muslim women and, and stuff like that. And it, it is like, a, I don't care now. I will talk about my past because, you know, I have very good memories of, you know, going on holiday with friends and I'm still very good friends with a lot of people that I, you know, knew in those days I'm, I'm not ashamed of who I was and it was who because of the sort of person I was that I came to Islam I'm not ashamed of my past at all but it's taken me a while to get there um, and I feel like um, you know that that projection of shame it came from born heritage Muslims um, and I can kind of maybe understand that because if you're brought up to think this way of life going out drinking having boyfriends doing all that is wrong then I can kind of understand where you'd come from that mindset of thinking well you should be ashamed of your past because that's wrong because how i've been brought up I, I've, I've been brought up to perceive that's wrong but with converts i don't know whether you guys would agree but i kind of came up with the theory that people that maybe had dysfunctional toxic lives before coming to islam it's much easier for them to kind of reject everything from before as that was wrong that was haram that was Jahali, you know, I can't get the words out. That was, I can't, Jahali, you know the word I'm trying to say, you know the, the life before Islam, the word can't, it's just not rolling off my tongue at the moment because I'm so vexed. <laughs> Thank you. It's, it's easier to reject that because you have negative associations with that life. What's difficult is when you've had a well-adjusted, pleasant life before Islam and then you come to the religion. And sometimes I find that is more tricky because you have very fond ties, very fond memories of your life before and cutting that off and being ashamed of it. And that was wrong. 
very it can be quite traumatic um upsetting um and i think it's it's kind of you have to make your own way with it um and realize that your life before you were muslim is not something to be ashamed of it was your life that was life then and and the person you were then was who brought you to islam as well sorry that's me yeah so that's that's my a little uh summary of my my opinions i'd love to know yeah i mean everything that you said rings true um and probably most converts find this it's sort of one of the topics that everybody avoids and yet the one that everybody has to navigate the most cautiously throughout because i think that once you get over that initial oh my god should i be ashamed of everything from before you then enter into a whole new dynamic of well hang on all right so i don't need to be ashamed of it from before because it wasn't haram for me before i wasn't a muslim but i also can't glamorize it because I'm stepping into new territory with people who have never come across someone maybe who has drank before, who understandably their families, you know, if you start to become friends with born or heritage Muslims, their families might now be concerned that they're spending time with someone who has drank, who has gone nightclubbing, who's had boyfriends, and they have protected, air quotes, their children from that kind of life before. And all of a sudden, bam they're dealing with someone and friends with someone who has had that life and i think that in itself for me has been something that i have found difficult to navigate because once i got over feeling any kind of shame about it i've been super careful not to glamorize it so i will have conversations now about it because i think it's important you know especially when you're someone who like in doing this and then in doing the support circles before it helps to have had experience and not be shameful and not shy away from the conversation to be able to then give advice of sorts um and i also find it helpful in doing dower um to say yeah i did that um not gonna lie used to love a glass of red wine with a nice steak um and i can still fully appreciate how amazing that is for some people but i'm not allowed to do it anymore and that's all right with me i would never go back to it but i didn't hate it loved it um and so but that's a very different conversation than the kind of conversation i'd have with maybe a born muslim you know that's with someone um who's maybe not muslim and who's saying like do you not miss these things um and so you it, you have to sort of train yourself on who you can have what conversations with khadija you want to jump in i think the point you made there was so valid about the types of conversations that you would have with somebody who was born and raised muslim and hasn't been exposed to these types of things to to somebody who even maybe they are born and raised muslim but you know they they strayed a little bit and they've come back those types of conversations are very very different and it's like in my head i'm trying to like piece together this this whole narrative of sometimes if you've never been exposed to that having conversation in forums on instagram facebook whatever you can come across as quite naive I don't know if that makes sense so i don't know there may be a you know a, a sister who's i don't know most common one taken off of her jab and she's doing x y and z 
and you can sort of see in the comments of those who are sort of offering words of support to those who are shaming that individual, the, the sort of, I don't know how else to explain it, but other than to say a naivety, please correct me if that's not the word I'm meant to be using. But then I also thought about sort of, with the shame, you, you kind of, um, made to feel like you shouldn't have enjoyed those things previously and like you said Zara there are parts of it and Alice you said it as well about there are parts of it that were very enjoyable and that's sort of part of the human experience that it's made enjoyable to to bring you astray you know that's what shaitan's put it there for however to say that you enjoyed something does not necessarily mean that you're condoning it and I think those are two very different things that we have to make clear enjoyment doesn't mean you know that you're, you're saying that it's okay absolutely and i think that that's the difference in having that conversation with a non-muslim versus having it with a maybe naive heritage born muslim who's never been exposed to it because i think the conversation with that person needs to be very very different because i'm sure you guys have experienced it as well where you come across a heritage or a born muslim who's like oh why did you leave this life it looks you know you could go out you could do what you want why would you leave that to come and do this where we're so restricted and that conversation is completely different it's more along the lines of yeah you're not missing out exactly i've left that life because what you've had and what you've been born with is way better than what i had and i'm the one who missed out because trust me there is nothing good that comes from the clubbing the alcohol the getting drunk nothing good comes from that um you know you're the one who's blessed to have had this life from birth don't be jelly of what i had because i have gladly left it behind um, but that's not to say that some people don't struggle to leave it behind. Khadija, you want to jump in? You basically summarised everything that I wanted to say, but obviously it's me, so I'm going off on some, some other tangent somewhere. But I just wanted to ask, like, one point I wanted to make and then a question is I feel like when we were talking before about, you know, the, the kind of ideal Muslim and how it's made and how it, it doesn't always include us converts, um, I feel like there's a, a, a sort of a line where it's just like, if you did those things, then that means you have no higher or no modesty, um, which is a very, I feel like it's a tricky, very thin line to sort of navigate. And I also wanted to just check in with you guys and see if you've ever had that kind of presumption from other people that because you've done those things in the past, that that automatically means you're going to go back to those ways at some point. What you guys yeah think. for me sorry go on you go first Alice. go on i'm just gonna jump in really just to one thing i've learned like in like my 30 almost 35 years on this planet is things come in their own time and so like for me when i was like learning about islam coming to islam it was a natural progression for me in terms of I was dialing, and if you listen to uh, my podcast with that revert girl, you'll hear. Um, I was dialing down on the going out, on the drinking, like just over time, kind of before I, I, I really even started looking at converting. Like I was always the designated driver on a night out. I'd leave at one o'clock in the morning and then text everyone once I'd got home because I couldn't be bothered with the whole, oh no, why are you going? It's still so early. Stay, stay. And I'd, I'd be like, right, I'm at home now. Bye. See you later. Um, and like, so 
you like you were saying like I, with 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 converts you know people may come to islam like, so by the time i got to islam i'd like not drinking on the head going out on the head i've knocked it all on the head already although i do and, and this is like a story i will say to people who are looking into islam um, or new converts who may be struggling you know because they may get to that point of wanting to convert way before i did but they're still maybe struggling to stop the drinking things like that and they'll say like oh how did you do it how did you do it and i'll say for me personally i was done i was like i was i've done it been there done that got a t-shirt i was over it um but i do and i often tell this story i remember my last drink it was i converted on the sunday it was the friday night i went to a friend's house after work i had a jack daniels and honey i think it was with lemonade that was my last drink i say i say with lemonade like it was in the glass most of that bottle was gone um because <laughs> i knew it was going to be the last time <laughs> um <laughs> Because I knew I thought this is it for me now. I'm done with this, you know. But let's go out in style. And I'm very honest when I have that conversation with people. So I've not touched it since. I'm not bothered. Not even. Don't even. When I'm sat with a friend who's non-Muslim and they're having a drink, I'm not sitting there thinking, "Oh, I wish I don't. I don't care." Um, and for me, it was just a natural progression. And I feel like with anyone looking at converting, um, you know, do things in their natural time. I like obviously try, but. You, you'll find it a lot harder if you go cold turkey with something that you're not it, this is with all people in all aspects of life i think like you know like giving up any sort of like smoking that another thing for me it had to come from me in the end i mean i was still smoking when i converted so for that that took a couple of years for me to stop smoking um so i think like that's why like i always like to have that conversation with people and i feel like you know things will come at their natural time you know pray for it make dua for it and it will come don't feel like you've got to be ticking all these boxes straight away the fact that you know you've reached islam at a point maybe before i did amazing and just you know make dua and these things will come and then once you knock it on the head once you're done you won't even think about it you won't even care about it anymore i just thought i, I always mention this i feel like i'm i'm stuck in a bit of a broken record but what you're saying there about um, things coming at their natural time, Alice. I just think it's always important to sort of point out that <laughs> in the early days of Islam, no one gave up anything overnight. It, it, it was not the case. You know, people drank and when Revelation came, it was just like, right, well, don't come to the masjid out your face like you know it wasn't it wasn't i feel like we need to look at ourselves as the same way they were they were converts we are converts so we have to acknowledge that we are also human like no one's asking you to be perfect like you just gotta try and if you're putting in little steps and you're still drinking like do it bit by bit like things are addictive these things are addictive and that you would be absolutely superhero if you could give them up overnight I also wanted to ask you guys, like, I, for me personally, I feel like there's a different kind of shame that comes from, say, if I'm talking with my old schoolmates to if I'm talking to, I don't know, an auntie who I've met in the masjid. I feel like, the, I don't know how to explain it, but like, the, there is levels of shame, I feel like, in this game. And um, I would feel like some level of shame to the point where it's like, yeah, yeah, I know I used to do that with you guys, but, you know, I don't do that anymore. That's not a part of the life, that style that I have lived now compared to an auntie that maybe, she, I don't know, like, it could come with some level of judgment, like, you are not the greatest Muslim and, like, that you don't hold a status in, in her eyes anymore it, with the auntie. Zara? It's pity. 
and that's what I feel sometimes when you speak to older generation heritage Muslims born Muslims and they look at you like poor you you weren't always a Muslim poor you you used to drink poor you you used to do this poor you you have non-Muslim family poor you. and it's that kind of they don't say all those words but oh god you feel it it just comes with like just this yeah like you just did Khadija it's like a drop shoulder and a sad face like oh like <laughs> this wasn't always you poor you and you do you walk away feeling it's like when someone who you love dearly is disappointed in you and you just walk away like I'm just gonna leave now then <laughs> and it's that that's the difference for me <laughs> do you guys think i completely agree that's what it is i'm excuse me i've just been laughing my head off because that is just literally hit the nail on the head it is that pity and it's just sort of like you can start talking and it's like i think for me because i am i, I am obviously black some people think i'm nigerian and they think that i'm already born and raised muslim so when they find out i'm a convert and that i'm caribbean they're like oh okay so are your family Muslim? And he's like, no. And then there's, I feel like there's also that shame of, um, I need to stop laughing now and get serious. <laughs> but I feel like there's also the shame that comes with people trying to make you feel about the, bad about the fact that your family's not Muslim and the things that they do. So it's like, I don't know, like, oh, do your family celebrate Christmas? Some of them do, yeah. Oh, do they have a tree? Some of them do, yeah. Oh, you know, do your family drink? Some of them do, yeah. And it's like, it's, it's kind of, I feel sometimes made to feel like you're the one that's doing that because your family do it. Does anybody else get what I mean about that? That's my point, sorry. Yeah, I feel like sometimes there's like a real pressure. Like, it's almost like you've got to, like, they'll, they'll ask things like that and they'll be like, okay, well, you know, have you spoken to your family about Islam? Are you giving them dawah? And it's like this massive pressure that, well, it's, it's on you, fam, that you should be telling them that this is all wrong and they shouldn't be doing this and you should be bringing them to Islam. Like, you're, you're the, the, gate, the gatekeeper for that. And so you feel all this pressure, like you've got to defend yourself and the fact that you're not speaking to your family about Islam. And then, you, then, then before you know it, you're telling someone who you bear, you, you've just met sometimes your whole life story about, well, you know, got a bit of a difficult relationship with my dad because blah, 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 blah. So that's why I don't, who are you? I don't even know who you are. <laughs> why am I telling you my life story? Why is this happening? <laughs> and then you go away, you feel like, so, you know, like when, you, when you've been in a cab and you've told the cabbie like your whole life and then you come out the other end, you're like, oh my God, I just overshared massively. Like that's feeling and this person sitting there like some auntie that probably doesn't even understand half of what you said <laughs> or is that just me <laughs> no that's spot on it is you just feel like you tell them everything and then you walk away she gives you that oh poor you look and all she's left with is the fact that you and your dad don't get on and she pities you even more then she's just like what even is the point <laughs> so yeah i think definitely we all feel that um and it is you just find i think to overcompensate for this pity and shame feeling you sort of the wheels come off before you know it and you're oversharing with literally everybody 
um and then everyone's looking at you like why are you telling me all this like i i don't know you <laughs> just like you're thinking i don't know you to be able to tell you um it, yeah <laughs> it can go a bit crazy in no time at all um but that's an important point just touching on family and shame it's something that i mean it's different if your family's ever present for a conversation but I feel like it's really important not to make your family feel like you're ashamed of them or that you're ashamed of the life you had with them pre-Islam. And that's a very difficult line to walk on, um, <clears throat> especially when you're with, I suppose it go, goes, comes down to confidence and how confident you feel about the conversation and the kind of conversations you've had with your family before because if all of a sudden your family and your new muslim friends are all in the same space and you're then expected to navigate a conversation about what was and what is it can be that in itself can be awkward and i think you know even now nearly 10 years on that's a difficult thing to navigate for me personally but how do you guys navigate that I can answer that quickly in that I don't ever have these conversations with my family. As, as I've mentioned a, a few times before, I'm, I'm not at, that's one thing I'll, I'll be very honest about on this podcast. I am not there with my family yet. And this is what almost eight years in now. We just don't talk about these things. And that's an issue in my family in general. So obviously they know I'm Muslim and I live my life the way I live it. You know, I lived under their roof for what, five years as a Muslim, but even though I don't, I don't have these conversations because I just don't want to upset them. And I, that's a weakness in me. Um, so that's very, yeah, I've just not had those conversations yet. I feel like for me, um, what sort of when I was in the, the, the like the, the zeal of converting and I was like Alice exposed to a very black and white version of Islam and a, a particular group of people, it was very much so, um, you know, anytime my mum would talk about memories or, or my brother would talk about something or my friends would talk about something, it would just be a kind of, oh yeah, and I would, I would just kind of like brush off the conversation to like completely skirt it so I didn't have to talk about it. And I feel like now I can have those conversations and be like, oh, you know what, that was a good time, it was fun. You know, it'd be nice to do something similar to that again, but, you know, obviously making it, hello. Um, I feel like, you know, when you're told from the very black and white version of Islam that, you know, sort of looking back on your on your sins and appreciating those times is a, is a, a, a bad thing, it can make you sort of uncomfortable when people do bring it up. And I feel like if we can get to the point where we, we have that balance, and you know, reminiscing doesn't mean that you are tempted to go back, and reminiscing doesn't mean that you're condoning, you can have those conversations a lot more freely than what you would have done in the beginning. And I think also that conversation works a lot better in non-Muslim circles when you're saying, well, I don't do those things anymore just because I'm a Muslim and I'm different to you. That doesn't mean I'm better than you because I'm not doing it and you still are and i think that that's territory that some people fall into a little bit when having that conversation certainly with non-muslim family and friends like oh well, i don't drink or I, I don't do those things anymore because i'm a muslim 
obviously we do it well we don't do things for the love and pleasure of Allah and because Allah has told us we're not allowed to or because we know that to do it doesn't please him but that's because we're Muslim and for non-Muslims or even for those Muslims who still do those things that doesn't mean that we're better um or that we have a right to judge or look down on somebody you know if you're friends with someone who still does that and because of that you don't want to associate with them with anymore or be friends with them anymore make it clear that that's on you that that's you know because how you feel you're at risk because of it not because you think any less of them or judge them in any way you know that's their life they can do what they want it's between them and god um or not god if they don't believe in god depends on who they are but i think yeah i think to do with shame i think judgment as well like just because you don't have shame doesn't mean you should glamorize and then if you do have shame it doesn't mean that the lack of doing those things anymore gives you the right to be judgmental or feel like you're better than somebody else does that make sense it does i was gonna say i feel like gosh i just had a blank moment <laughs> the last part you said zara about um judgment and shame i feel like if you're at a point where you know you're not feeling shame anymore or the shame is very little be mindful and and aware of how you felt at the beginning of your journey where shame was a big thing and i also feel like it's a sort of like a, a spectrum i feel like sometimes you might feel shame and then other points you don't I, I feel like that for me personally is a thing um you know something that i don't know really as small as i used to wear mini skirts where and i mean they were mini skirts and i remember i saw my sister's mom at one point and she saw me and i was in full abaya and she was just like but you used to wear mini skirts and the shame i felt then is completely different to the shame I feel about miniskirts when it's just kind of like, oh God, I actually used to go out like that. More because of my fashion sense and not because they were miniskirts, if you get what I mean. But I feel like you can go through different points where you, you're okay with something at one point and you don't feel the shame. And then later on the la down the line, something else could be brought up and it's like, oh gosh, I feel that shame again. And that's okay. Like, it doesn't mean that you're, um, it doesn't mean like you're a bad Muslim or anything. It just means that you're human and you're going through these different emotions the same way you would go through, you know, sort of a continuum of, uh, of emotions for any other thing that you're, you know, trying to get over. That just reminded me of something as well about someone seeing you from your old life and then they see you in full abaya and hijab um, and shame. And I don't know if anybody has experienced this and I don't think it was shame for me, but I think just a little bit shy and a bit embarrassed that there is also on the flip side being a little bit embarrassed um about now being a muslim when you bump into someone about when someone bumps into you and all of us they've never seen you in like a full scarf or dressed modestly or anything like that and all of a sudden you're sort of faced with this old friend or person from the past and it's like oh my god do i hide do i do i jump out like what do i do like how do i deal with this at all and alhamdulillah i've had i've not had a situation where it's gone badly but i've definitely 
um, I work in the hospital, as I've mentioned before, and there was somebody who was a friend from my past, um, a guy uh, who I used to be really good friends with, like not a boyfriend or anything like that, but just really good friends with. And I worked at the time on a ward and he came in as a patient onto the ward. When I tell you I hid in my office for a day, I am not joking. I did not leave because I just didn't know how to deal with it. I just thought, oh my, like, how do I have this conversation? Is he going to recognize me? Is he not? Like, who else is going to appear to visit him? It was pre COVID. I was like, oh my God. Day two, I bumped into him without even thinking about it just as I was arriving and he was coming off the ward or whatever and he just went oh hi Sam you're right and just walked past me I was like <laughs> it just didn't even occur to him to treat me any differently he was just like you're right mate and just carried on going I was like why was I worried but I did have a whole 24 hour of stress and worry about it what have you guys experienced anything like that um well I kind of did when I first come back because I was still living down south um, and my actual friends were like really supportive but when I started wearing like my hijab at work and it was well you know I, I work with quite a diverse team majority Nigerian and in Nigeria like Islam and Christianity are like the, the main religions and there's a lot of intermarriage so, like in families very often you have like dad's muslim mum's christian they're really so like most of the nigerian stuff were like oh came and wearing it one day they're like yeah cool whatever like do you you know or they'd be like oh, actually my dad's muslim yeah you know and we'd have a chat um, but with like the kind of white members of stuff like it was just felt really awkward and i don't like talking about things like anything to do with religion with people that i know aren't religious because i don't know i just i just, I just find it really awkward um but no i've not thankfully i've not had a had an experience well now that i've moved up to manchester i don't see anyone from like the past that i don't want to see but i think sometimes people from back in the day like try and have me on facebook and stuff like that because i think my number's not changed even though my name's not my like proper name on facebook i think because i'm saved in people's because sometimes people come up on my um recommend friend like someone from way back like i don't know like a scottish girl i met on holiday in tenerife back in like 2003 <laughs> <laughs> things like that and so sometimes people try and add me but then I just like block them so I don't even have to have that conversation <laughs> yeah I've definitely had similar experiences to that and it, you know what it just makes me think like why do we get embarrassed why do we feel this shame like it's not as if I mean like pretty much everybody I know is chill like I mean super chill it's I don't even think it's possible for them to get upset that's how chill they are but I make up a whole song and dance in my head before I've even got to that point about oh well is this this that this 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 that and I make myself ashamed of something that somebody's not even gonna question me on and if they do it's normally just like oh why, did, why are you doing that and it's you know, like it's it's not even a big deal for them. A bit like what you were saying, Zara, of like you know, twenty four hours of like in a turmoil for it to just be like, oh hi Sam. You know what I mean? Like we really do. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are things that we feel shame for that you know they do become a big thing. But a majority of the time, it's us and us. It's it's about us. It's not about the other people. I agree and there was just a small story that I wanted to tell you that is the opposite of shame and it was one of my first ex one of my earlier experiences in a mosque and it was of a convert lady who was older 
um, and she was sat at the back of a sister's circle eating smoky bacon flavored crisps and I was like um you allowed them and she was like girl they can take the real food off me but they are not taking that flavor off me <laughs> and she just give zero craps and I just loved that whole vibe nobody said anything to her everyone was giving her funny looks and she just sat there not bothered I am eating my smoky bacon crisps do not judge me and I just loved that whole vibe because she's like it may be disliked and you know the actual food might but actually what I am doing is not haram so that is where my line is don't step over it and don't judge me for it and I love that whole thing I wish I had her confidence I'm not sure that I'm quite there yeah I'm not sure that I'd bust into a mosque with some smoky bacon crisps but <laughs> but I appreciate her um so going forward I think we're probably near the end of the show now has anybody got any tips for anybody who's sort of relatively new into islam and is starting to have those conversations you know starting to make new friends um with heritage born muslims how to navigate that conversation about sort of the old them and how to feel about the old them as they sort of walk into this new sort of stage of life alice what about you i would definitely say have boundaries um about what you're willing to talk about um just a quick aside i think i've never felt more shame about my past than when i was looking to get married that was the hardest when i was you know going to marriage events and things like that and people think it's appropriate to ask you things like how many people have you slept with how many boyfriends have you had things like that and because i've got tattoos you know well you're going to get those removed things like that and um i never to be fair to me i never ever even what's the word um engaged in those conversations someone's wants to ask me it's things like that i just no see you later you know you do not owe anyone an explanation for how you've lived your life and the person you were before islam no one has got any right to ask you questions like that doesn't matter who they are or who you know just just lock it off because there are plenty of people out there who are decent stand-up people who will never ever ask you stuff like that and will take you as you are take you at face value so have boundaries absolutely because i overshared with people that didn't deserve it for a long long time um so have boundaries and 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 just take take time with all the changes that you make into the to your life you know it'll come a point where it will feel natural just just take your time and have boundaries that's my main advice I love that one, Alice. I really, really do. I think that's really, really important, especially, you know, in the beginning stages where people feel entitled to your um, to your conversion story, but we won't go there. Um, my tip would be to just remember that everything you did prior to your shahada was not haram. It was not you were, you know, you, you, you were not, you know, my thing is, I, I feel like I'm going to go off on one now, but my thing is, you took your shahada, therefore, everything you did prior to that is wiped clean. It's wiped clean, it's gone. So, you know, for somebody to sit here and try and make you feel about something that Allah's already forgiven you for, I'm sorry, but no, absolutely not. Love that. 
it's absolutely true people shouldn't make you feel any kind of way about the person you were before or the way you were before and i think that's really important that doesn't matter what you did before the fact that it wasn't haram for you then because haram wasn't even a thing pre being a muslim um is really important and you shouldn't make people make you feel ashamed about anything full stop the whole point you know of life is that we're not here to judge each other um only god can judge me as the saying goes <laughs> there's a song in there somewhere um but definitely be careful who you're talking to would be my advice and be careful what you're sharing and if they're asking you questions just be mindful of who it is asking you the question and what are they asking you for if it's that they're genuinely interested in your experience and these are people that you trust then that's okay um share as much as you feel comfortable with but i think i mean it's less likely now just because of covid but certainly like with ramadan coming up and going into mosques and going to circles as soon as someone sees a convert they just want to know all of the information and unfortunately just because they're muslims it doesn't mean that they can always be trusted with that information as to which bits they're gonna pluck and remember and pass on and you know you could tell them every single bit of your incredible life and just one tiny tiny bit of something that they view as negative and that might be the thing that they then pass on to everybody and then you know if in the future you're looking to get married or in the future you're looking to make new friends that might be the thing that sort of has met everybody before you have met everybody so just be careful what you're sharing um and don't make your family feel like you're ashamed of them that's a tough one <laughs> But as far as conversations about what you're not allowed to do anymore, your family, if they're not Muslim, are still allowed to do all of those things. And by having bought you that bottle of bubbly two years prior to you being a Muslim, that wasn't a gift that they shouldn't have bought you. It was absolutely fine. Um, so, yeah, just go easy, I suppose, would be my advice because we're all just learning. Um, and that's everything for me. Has anybody got anything else they want to add? No? Okay. Well, in that case, we will say assalamu alaikum and we shall see you all again next week. Jazakallah khair. Assalamu alaikum, guys.